Hey, everybody, welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. You probably can see next to me, we not only have an amazing guest, but uh, I have an amazing son, uh, one of my three sons, and then I have a daughter as well. Uh, this is Evan Wilkerson. If you've joined our podcast before, you know uh, Evan uh, was one of our top uh, watched um, podcasts when he told his story of uh, uh, difficulties with uh, addiction and uh, just sort of st- struggling in that and how God redeemed him and brought him out. And now he's uh, not only graduated from Bible school, but uh, is is involved at um, Biola University. And one of his professors is, is uh, Sean McDowell. And uh, pr- probably most of you that are watching now already know Sean through his books, through his podcast, through uh, his YouTube videos. Uh, Sean, thank you for being with us today. We're really honored to have you as our guest. This is a treat. I'm just glad that that Evan passed my class with a D minus, <laughs> but he passed. I'm kidding. Was it a B minus? With... I thought it was an A plus. <laughs> you passed with flying colors and absolutely did fantastic. So thanks for having nice. me on. I love seeing the father son combo. It's just fantastic. So thank you. You're you're very welcome. Thanks yeah, for being here. We we love watching you know uh, being us father and son. We love watching you and your father do some ministry together. Uh, my father was a pastor and minister as well, and so we we used to travel to pastors' conferences together. We were in like seventy different countries together. So, wow. uh, this, the, the whole next gen thing of uh, passing the baton is is really important to us. So, you know, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, maybe with some t- other time you have a little bit more time, we can go into the father and son relationship. But today we really wanted to, we really wanted to talk about uh, the the. Um, impact we can have on next gen on, on gen gen z um kind of the not only ministering to them but but starting off is uh, kind of getting an idea of the worldview today uh really where where is the mindset of like a high school or college university student today um you know it used to be and maybe it still is you'd hear this thing of uh, i'm spiritual but not religious uh is that still in place today or would it be more like i'm a pagan uh, agnostic or uh, atheist, which would be a uh, more common worldview if there is one such uh, such thing? I think this generation would say largely that they're open to spiritual things. They probably would still resist religion, partly because that has more of a specific label. And this is a generation that's been told, define yourself, express yourself, be true to yourself. But there's still a spiritual yearning in this generation. In one sense, there will be in every generation because we are made in the, in the image of God to know him and relate to him. But certainly in some cultures, that's more extinguished than other cultures. But yes, that moniker exists. One thing that fascinated me is in the recent Barna study that came out on Gen Z, they said that 46%, it was 46 to 47% of Gen Zers said they are open to evidence for believing things about God and spiritual issues. That actually surprised me because we're told this is a post-truth culture. We're told they're not interested in spiritual things. And this is definitely not a generation that wakes up in the morning and says, I got to find God. Let me do research. Give me the evidence. They're much more distracted with schoolwork and prom and all the demands of social media. But I think in the right context, in the right way, in the right relationship, There's an openness and a yearning for spiritual things. And one more thing that's different about this generation is millennials had a lot of baggage of growing up within the church and bad experiences with religion. That has been mitigated somewhat with Gen Z. According to the latest Barna study, they're saying that this generation is more of a blank slate as a whole than previous generations. 
Now, the downside is there's more voices speaking into this generation than ever before. But I think it gives us a unique opportunity as the church as well. Yeah, yeah Sean, I've uh, seen a lot of statistics about Gen Z. You know, you hear 50 to 70 or 60 to 80 percent of Gen Z is leaving the faith. And maybe that's partly because of so many voices speaking into them. Um, but I just was curious of how, how accurate are these statistics? Are there really uh, mass uh, teenagers leaving the faith? So a lot of these statistics, as far as I was aware, really started hitting with millennials. And you'd hear 60, 70, 80, 90% have abandoned their faith. And I heard these from trustworthy sources, so probably repeated them more times than I should have without doing my homework initially. We're talking a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago when this data was coming out in millennials. So I wrote a book with Jay Warner Wallace, who is a detective. And it's called, So the Next Generation Will Know. And one chapter is, since he's a detective, I was like, Jim, you track down every source we can find about whether students are leaving the faith and why. And we compile it all in one chapter. And there's no one better to do this than a detective that can track it down. And here's what I would say. I'd say, yes, there is concern of kids leaving the faith. I hesitate to put a stat on it because it's hard to really know how many are really in the faith, how many are leaving uh, just the church, and how many were Christians and genuinely are saying, I'm no longer a Christian anymore. That's hard to know. But what I think a fair thing to say is we are seeing a significant exodus in two areas. Number one, younger people defining and describing themselves as Christians. They're more and more imbibed with a secular worldview that shapes how they think all areas of life. And that's true for many who call themselves Christians. Second, we're seeing a lot of young people leave Christian families and leave Christian churches. Whether they were ever believers or not, I don't really know the answer to that. But there's enough data that says kids in Christian homes and Christian churches grow up and don't want to describe themselves that way anymore. Now, some of them still would pray. Some still consider themselves spiritual. Some might even say they're Christians, but they leave the faith that they were raised in. And the question has been for a while, will they come back? And I've just seen some recent data that is questioning that they are going to come back in their 30s and into their 40s when typically people who leave the church come back because they have kids and think about raising their kids morally, starting to ask the question, are they coming back like previous generations? And I'm not going to say they're not, but I've seen enough data to make me wonder if they will and think that they won't come back in the same numbers as previous generations. I love how hopeful you are. I think that's really good news that uh, you're in you're in the middle of all this stuff and you're still living in hope. That's uh, that's exciting for me because uh, you know you you obviously have your uh, pulse on the the Gen Z a whole lot more than 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 I would at my age. Um, Sean, is it okay we just kind of do a little shotgun format here? I'll throw out some names of, of some things apologetics. Uh, might be interested in, in as they're approaching ministry to Gen Z. Uh, first one being like uh, evolution, science, science. Is that still an obstacle t in this generation? Or is, I know it used to be, you know, when you, you'd study apologetics, it would be a whole, whole lot about evolution. Why it's, is that still uh, an issue today? Or if so, how, how large? 
I would say yes, but even broader. When Again, you look at the Barna study, and my experience would say one of the big questions that both Christians and non-Christians raise about their faith and those that often hijack the faith, one of the top four or five are the intersection between science and faith. So it's not like there's a huge debate about the age of the earth with this generation that there was in the past, although that's a piece of it. It's not just about evolution. It's also like climate change and the vaccines. It's this larger question of, can we listen to science and still be a Christian? And what does that mean? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about politics? Is that, uh, you know, it seems like things are, uh, if you believe the press, it seems like almost everybody under 30 is a Marxist now. I'm, I'm not sure. I think that might be an overstatement, but uh, do you find that kind of influence politically taking place today? Well, two things politically. Number one, um, some of those stats about millennials and Gen Zers all being Marxists or socialists is overstated, but there are higher numbers of Gen Zers who are more favorable to socialism and Marxism than all previous generations. So we are seeing a trend moving that direction. I forget the stats off the top of my head, but it's enough to give pause and say, we are seeing a positive trend here. And there's reasons for that. There's no memory of the Cold War. There's certain rock star politicians that are putting a positive face on socialism. Uh, socialism sounds positive. This generation is told be in favor of social justice and socialism. I wanna be social. I wanna care about the poor. There's a lot of reasons why we're seeing this. So. We need not say all Gen Zers and millennials are Marxists and socialists, but we're definitely seeing a positive trend being more favorable towards that. Now, the one area that concerns me is I'm seeing more and more young people, both millennials and Gen Zers, who are turned off by the way Christians and evangelicals talk about politics. So the way you have to be a Republican to be a Christian and vote a certain way or you don't belong here. Now, in saying that, I think there is a narrative from the wider culture to demonize evangelicals and cast a certain narrative um, because they don't like the issues that evangelicals hold to. So that's a piece of it. But I do hear a lot of young people say to me, gosh, this is way too political. You're not thinking about this more broadly and it's a turnoff that's at least something we should pay attention to and be on a radar how we talk about politics how we approach it and how we integrate our faith and politics together wow that's a great answer I, yeah that's I, good i love that the um would you say the same thing's true you wrote a book called same sex marriage is that the right title uh, i did so that, would you say the same thing about politics uh as as uh, with as sexuality, uh, how Christians approach sexuality might be a turnoff somewhat to, uh, to the culture. So I wrote same-sex marriage 2014, the year before the Supreme Court ruling in 2015 with Obergefell, seeing the writing on the wall. About four months ago, five months ago, I wrote a book called Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture Distinctly for Students, right? Talk about the difference between a cultural view of sex, love, and relationships and a biblical view. And what I found is there's a lot of young people who, at least in two things, either the perceived hatred or bigotry or intolerance of the church towards the gay community, 
or genuine experiences within the church of not seeing their friends with same-sex attraction or transgender treated the way that they think they should be treated and loved as a turnoff towards the faith. So that is a leading narrative I hear a lot. Now, what's hard to decipher for me is how much have people bought a view of love and identity and freedom from the culture and then castigate the scriptures for not embracing that view of love? That's one view. And or those who understand the biblical view and why uh, just don't see the church taking that view and graciously loving their LGBTQ friends. It's hard to know exactly what is going on there. I look at some people and I think, if we're going to hold the view that Jesus held, no matter how gracious and loving we are, you already think we're bigoted, hateful, and intolerant. There's nothing I can do about that segment of people because I'm not going to compromise what Jesus taught about sex, love, and relationships. But I think there's a generation that has so bought certain secular ideas about this inside and outside the church that they look at biblical teaching and there's many Christians who aren't loving their neighbors the way they should, who aren't teaching the why behind the what, and it's a turnoff to biblical ideas and the biblical faith to them. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. The uh, last one, then I'll give Evan some time here for questions as well. Um, in, in the field of education, uh, whether, you know, the uh, how do you feel? As, uh, you're a father, right? You have kids? Yeah, three kids. Yeah. How, do, how do you feel about um, education, public school education today? Uh, what's happening in the university level as well? Uh, sort of, uh, it seems to be, you can almost say anything except, you know, uh, truths about, about God or Christ. Um, uh, t t talk to us a little bit about what your take on in this generation or Gen Z for when it comes to education and maybe touch on homeschooling if you if you want to, what your thoughts sure. are on that. So in fall 2019, the state of California where I live launched entirely new sexual health standards. I read all of it. So this is the fall before COVID hit, you know, five months later, six months later, whatever. They launched this. And I've done a blog on this and I reviewed, did a podcast on this if somebody wants to hear the take on it. And essentially from kindergarten all the way up through high school with a secular view of diversity, inclusion, and openness is being pushed through public schools for students to adopt this. The books they read, the lessons they have, the posters in the hall, including lessons on if your parents are not affirming, here's how you can get them on board. So in other words, the state of California is going to use kids to get to their parents to get them to adopt an affirming view on LGBTQ identity and relationships. To me, it's absolutely wrong and intolerant and not open and not inclusive of people in California and beyond who hold different views. Now, you fast forward into spring 2020 when COVID hits, and then you have a lot of the, the George Floyd riots and BLM explodes. Then we've seen all of this diversity push as well. That gives me serious pause about what is being pushed in public schools. Not that I'm against diversity. Hopefully that's 
obvious that I'm not. The Bible praises people of all ethnicity and background and race and love for all because they're made in the image of God. But we're talking about a view of diversity that is very different than a biblical view. And it's being pushed in public schools in California and beyond. So what do parents do? Three options. Number one, if you send your kid to a public school and some people don't have other options. What I would do is I do two things. I'd start early and I'd be engaged teaching my son or daughter how to think Christianly, reading books with them, listening to podcasts with them, having conversations with them, sending them to student events. Uh, and second, I would be very involved in the school and build relationships with key people so I know exactly what's going on in this public school and find other like-minded parents and partner with them. We send our kids to private school. My wife teaches there full-time. I teach part-time basically to pay for my kids' tuition, basically covers it. But it's a good private Christian school. One thing we've learned is all Christian schools are not equal. Don't just assume that because it's a Christian school, they're not teaching some of these things. And don't assume that the quality of education is the same. We have a great Bible teaching Christian school, and my wife and I are happy to sacrifice to send our kids there. Homeschooling is also a great option. I realize everybody can't do that, but homeschooling is a third excellent option for parents who feel equipped and are able to do this to train up their kids. Hmm. That's really good, Sean. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so I, I was wondering too, on, on the broader scale of training up uh, Gen Z, so not just our our children. You know, I I have a one year old, and so sometimes I see the false ideas in the culture, and it it does make me just want to shelter her. But I know that that's maybe not the best approach. Maybe we need to uh, expose them to some false ideas and um, help them navigate the culture a little bit better. Could you speak a little bit about how we can help the next generation and our kids? Uh, not shelter them, but navigate these these false ideas and all of these uh, other worldviews. That is a very natural parent human response to see all just the danger and filth in our culture and want to just protect our kids. We have to protect our kids in certain ways. My wife and I have certain blocks on smartphones and on technology that we're doing our best to keep our kids from. We don't let them see certain movies till a certain age. We're careful about the friends that they have, etc. But the bottom line is, especially with smartphones, we cannot keep our kids from non-Christian ideas, from seeing things and hearing things. We wish we didn't have to have them here. My eight-year-old son recently drives back the car is like, dad, what's abortion? I'm like, okay, he's eight. I wish I didn't have to have this conversation with my son who is eight, but he heard it from somebody and it's interesting to him. So I'm thinking, how do I explain to an eight-year-old what abortion is in a way he can understand that's honest, but not overdoing it? So I simply said, son, sometimes there's women who are pregnant for different reasons, decide they don't want to keep the unborn baby inside of them. Well, dad, why would they do that? And I did my best to have a gracious but truthful conversation with him. Now, instead of just keeping our kids from this, let me frame it differently. I think we should inoculate our kids to culture. 
I think that idea of inoculation, like giving it somebody a vaccine in a sense, as far as I understand, I'm not a doctor, is you get like a watered down or tweaked version of the virus or the disease that helps your body produce antibodies so it can resist the full disease. In other words, a small protected dose helps create greater uh, defense and immunity. That's how I look at it with my kids. So two examples. We were at a park a few years ago. My son was walking by and there was a big stand for Jehovah's Witnesses. And I was there with a friend of mine and uh, both our kids were like, what's this? They walked over with interest. And, uh, and the pastor was kind of like shying his kid away, which I understand. I said, I said, Scotty, pick it up. And he's like, the pastor was like, why would you do that? And I said, and he came back. I'm like, look, my son is interested in this. He wants the material. I'm not afraid of JW ideas. This gives me a chance to talk to my son. Is Jesus Michael the archangel? Is salvation by works? Or is Jesus God and salvation is by faith? I'm going to use his interest as an opportunity to try to give him some immunity and not be afraid of other ideas and be afraid of engaging other people. Uh, second example, uh, my son wanted to see the movie Bohemian Rhapsody a couple years ago and it came out. He is, at the time he was, I think he was 14. The movie is PG-13. I looked at it, I was like, I know there's some ideas I don't love in this, but he's 13, wants to see it. I said, buddy, I'll take you and another uh, of your friend whose parents approve it. I'll buy popcorn, pay for the whole thing. If when we come back, we just sit down and talk about it at the dinner table. And we did. I asked him, hey, what'd you like about the movie? What was your favorite scene? What do you think the main idea of the movie was? As Christians, what can we praise in this movie? And then I said, are there any parts of this movie that gave you pause? Are there any times you felt being preached at? Any times you felt they were advancing an idea that's not Christian? And we simply talked about it. So rather than keeping our kids entirely away from secular ideas, let's try to immune them appropriately. That's really good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate that so much. And I really love you being here today. What, um, what's the best way if people want to get uh, more information about you and your ministry? Uh, where would you direct them? Sure. Probably my website would be the easiest, which is just seanmcdowell.org. And I have a link. I have a YouTube channel where I do a ton of worldview, apologetic stuff for parents. I'm actually on TikTok because that's where students are. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And frankly, my whole philosophy is I want to give people value. I don't want to waste their time. So if you're looking for a resource about a new book or a conference or an idea or a quick video that answers a question, that's kind of the heart of much of what I do in my ministry. But the place to start would probably be seanmcdowell.org. Good, mm. good. Thanks, Sean. Well, um, just briefly, uh, to, to go on TikTok, do you have to dance or can you just talk? You know, I that was my impression of TikTok at first, and there's a lot of good dancers. I've done a couple for fun with my daughter who's 14. <laughs> nice. I've done a couple yeah. funny funny basketball ones, but mainly I just do apologetics and worldview and people follow it and they watch it. It's a whole different audience. And so that's why I'm on there. So if, if you danced on TikTok and you have a 14 year old or was 14 at the time, are they embarrassed or do they say pretty good job, dad? You know, it's somewhere in between. They're like, dad, you're such a dork, but <laughs> hey, this is fun. Why not? And honestly, partly if a video gets a lot of hits, 
my kids don't care how embarrassing it is. If they get hits, they're that's like, great. this is awesome. So that's how I win them over. Nice. So go to TikTok to watch Dr. Sean McDowell yeah. dance. Yeah. And we will also put some in the show notes, uh, uh, some uh, some titles of your books and stuff. But, uh, Sean, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for teaching this guy at Biola. Yeah, at, uh, thank you so much. The master's degree program of apologetics there. And mm-hmm. uh, keep up the good work. Thanks again. You guys are awesome. My pleasure. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.